In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Growing up in New England, I never really experienced spring, at least not real spring. In New England, there's winter, which is dark and cold, and then there's summer, which is light and hot. And in between, there's about two weeks where everything turns to mud. It's, it's not quite as dark, but it's still cold. There's lots of rain, and that, more or less, is New England spring. It wasn't until I moved down south that I experienced spring as a true season. Months full of warm days and cool nights, during which the weather and the natural world emerges little by little from winter, unfurling itself slowly. Daffodil stems shooting up from the cold ground one day, and then dogwood flowers budding on a bare branch the next House finches twittering amongst the trees and building nests one week, and then oak strand pollen dusting the sidewalk in a thin layer of yellow the next. In this way, spring in the south is a slow burn, I've learned. It starts with the smallest of signs, and it builds a little at a time, and a little more, and a little more, until finally one day you step outside and wham, the whole world is green. And despite all the signs, despite all the changes you've been noticing week after week, month after month, you still find yourself once again surprised by spring's full emergence. Not unlike a southern spring, the resurrection is also a bit of a slow burn. In most of the gospel stories, when Jesus' followers finally encounter their risen Lord, Very few of them grasp what is going on at first. Rather, there's a period of processing, of verification, of more and more signs until it finally clicks. This is true for Mary Magdalene, who sees the stone rolled away from the tomb and yet doesn't understand, who converses with angels yet is still confused, who sees Jesus but mistakes him for a gardener, and doesn't grasp the full reality until Jesus calls her by name. This is true also for Thomas, who disregards the words of his fellow apostles and comes to believe only when he sticks his own fingers into Jesus' wounds. And it is especially true for Cleopas and his companion from today's gospel passage, who converse with Jesus over the course of many miles and yet do not recognize him who sit down with him for supper and still they cannot see, who finally, in the moment when Jesus blesses the bread and then breaks it and then shares it with them, finally, they comprehend the presence of their teacher. The road to Emmaus story holds many lessons for those of us trying to live the resurrected life 2,000 years later. But a key one has to do with how very mundane, how very ordinary this divine encounter is. There are no angels or otherworldly appearances like there was for Mary, and there's no grotesque or inconceivable challenge like there was for Thomas. There are just two people walking down a regular road 
on their way to a little noted village, a place so unremarkable that scholars and archaeologists today aren't even sure where Emmaus was or what, if anything, of importance was there. Their story continues in a straightforward fashion. They encounter a stranger, and they share a conversation and invite him to dinner. Jesus does eventually vanish, which I admit is rather dramatic. But even this miraculous moment comes through the most ordinary means, over a simple meal, through the completely unextraordinary act of sharing a morsel of bread with a fellow diner. The Emmaus story teaches us something crucial, I think, about where and how we encounter Jesus, not just in moments of soaring glory, not just in desperate times of need, but also in the quotidian comings and goings of everyday life. One final detail worth mentioning is how, despite Cleopas being named, the other traveling disciple is not. And by keeping the second disciple anonymous, the writer of Luke's gospel seems to be saying that it could be anyone. If we can encounter Jesus simply by walking down the road, or in chatting with a stranger, or in sitting at the dinner table, then we can encounter him anywhere. If Jesus goes out of his way to reveal himself to an anonymous traveler on their way to an unremarkable village, then he can appear to any of us. The Emmaus story reminds us that the resurrected life is more often than not a slow burn. The slow collection of little signs that build and build over the course of normal days and weeks and months before finally leading to a flickering moment of revelation. For these last two weeks since Easter Sunday, I've been feeling a little bit down, in a bit of a slump. And that tends to happen to me, actually, most years in the wake of Resurrection Sunday. For me, Lent and Holy Week, they're so rich, engrossing, they grasp me so tightly that on the other side, I can feel a bit deflated a sense of anticlimax. On Easter, I feel like I've made it to the summit of the liturgical year, and now in the weeks that follow, we're on the backside of the peak. And all that's left is the tedious descent, the slow slog back down the slope to ordinary time. Today's gospel reading has reminded me that Jesus is also present in that slog down the slope. That even if I'm feeling a little bit underwhelmed or worn out, I am nonetheless encountering Christ in my daily routine, in the small, sometimes indiscernible moments, which I may not comprehend now, but which I trust, like Cleopas and his unnamed companion, I will in due time. On my day off, I like to take runs in the trails in the Duke Forest. And my favorite loop is along the New Hope Creek, a route where between the acres of trees and the sounds of the rushing water, I often feel like I'm the only soul for miles. It was during these weekly runs some months ago that I noticed the first signs of spring, little yellow and purple flowers along the creek bed, a bright flash of a bluebird's wing, the first tiny, tiny leaves, no bigger than my pinky nail on the beech trees. Near the end of my loop, I pass a boulder that sticks out over the creek, and I have the habit of pausing my run for a moment 
so that I can step out onto the rock and take in the view. Often I'll close my eyes, listen to the water, take some deep breaths, and offer a silent prayer. This past week, when I opened my eyes, I found myself lingering a bit more than usual, awestruck by just how thick the leaves were on the other side of the creek, how just weeks ago I could see through the bare woods for what seemed like a mile, but now all that I saw was the wall of green. Who knows what sign will be waiting for me this week when I take my run? But I can already tell you what my silent prayer will be as I take a moment to pause atop that rock. Christ is risen, and he is here with me now. Amen. The Chapel of the Cross is an Episcopal church in the heart of Chapel Hill and the university community. Find out more at thechapelofthecross.org. There you can find our latest news and events, connect with our pastoral care team, Faith in Action Ministries, and offer a prayer request. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram at thechapelofthecross, and on Facebook and Twitter at C-O-T-C, Chapel Hill. May you be nourished by the word to serve in the world.